This morning, as we jump into number two, uh, this series is asking the question, what will 2016 bring? Opportunities, challenges, worry, doubt, fear, success. The world says the term good luck. As a Christian, I don't believe in luck. I believe you're blessed or you're not. You either have the favor of God on you or you don't, one or the other. Um, and so this morning, as we jump into this, we are going to piggyback on what we did last week. And I want to just review simply by giving you the one thing we learned last week. And that is, your past cannot limit your future when you what? Some of you are, we're listening, when you trust God. Everybody say, trust God. Do the whole thing now. Your past cannot limit your future when you trust God. Okay, so when I trust God in the present, what is my past has no bearing on my future. God is free. I am free to do what He's called me to do, and I'm free to be who He's called me to be. Amen. We talked about enlarging. We talked about singing. The barrenness that we've had is going to give way to fruitfulness. The sadness is going to give way to singing. Enlarge, stretch, do not hold back. Build, build, build strengthen and lengthen, and all of those were very strong action words which characterized this amazing passage from Isaiah chapter 54. So this morning, the title of the message is, What Fears Will 2016 Bring? And I'm doing that on purpose because as we look at the text this morning, after we get through the three verses from last week, you will see in verse 4 where we come into today's text. I'm going to let you stay seated. I'm going to read the first three verses myself. When we get to verse 4, I want you to read out loud with me. Here we go. Sing, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into loud and joyful song, O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, spare no expense. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. And here we go. This is today's text. Read with me. Fear not. Stop and say that like you really mean it. Come on. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. Read. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood. For your Creator will be your husband. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. Stop right there. How many of you know it doesn't matter how big you think your enemy is because if the Lord of heaven's armies is with you, Amen. ain't nothing else got a chance? Amen. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. Here we go. Keep reading. He is your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you back from your grief as though you were a young wife abandoned by her husband, says your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with great compassion I will take you back. In a burst of anger I turned my face away for a little while, but with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Pray with me. Gracious God, we're overwhelmed this morning as we sing about your love that is indescribable. Father, thank you today that because of your love, we can stand in the confidence that we never have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. God, in 2016, when terror flies by day, when things that used to only happen at night are happening in the daylight in our own town, 
God, when, when terror would strike all around us, we cry out to you for protection. Your word says in Psalm 91, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow, the wings of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my strength. My God in Him will I trust. And the terror that flies by day, it will not come nigh our dwelling. God, we pray for that protection. Let us step forth in confidence that you are God over all the circumstances and the terror of the earth in 2016. God, we ask you today that you wrap your arms of love, your everlasting arms of the Father around us, O God. Let us walk in such a confidence that it frightens the enemy. God, let us rise up to be the people that you've called us to be, the bride of Christ. Lord, to... To, to spread the seed of Christ over the whole earth until your descendants inhabit every nation and we bring back the desolate and ruined cities with the life, the restoration of God. We ask you today to speak to our hearts, speak to our fears in 2016. We'll be careful to give you the praise, O oh God. I need you right now more than I've ever needed you. Be the teacher, be the voice, be the speaker. Let us hear today. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Fear not and the everlasting love of the Lord. Two things I want to talk about today. Because I think before you step into something, sometimes the most daunting questions have to do with the unknown. What we don't know. What will 2016 bring? The prayer that I prayed is something that has become very close to us. This is not something just hap that happens in a far-off state in a really big city, heavily populated in the millions. I mean, think about it. Just a few hundred yards down the street here on the service road here just a few years ago, there was a, a, a crazy shootout between two, two madmen and, and police officers, and two police officers gave their lives to protect and keep safe the people of West Memphis, Arkansas. Are, are, are you hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? This is not just something that happens way off in another foreign country. It's not just something that happens uh, in Atlanta or New York City or let, let's even get closer. It's not just something that just happens in Memphis. This is something that is happening literally within measurable feet from us, feet and yards. And, and when you start to think about that, this is a day in which we can really uh, be gripped with terror. And, and the fear that I want to talk about this morning, the fear that, that comes to us, I, I want to speak first of all with one thing that you will hear that will be woven throughout the content of this whole message. And the one thing for today's message is this. Read it out loud with me, please. Fear cannot operate where love abounds. And the word abounds is what is critical. We're just filled with love. Say it again. Fear cannot operate where love abounds. Now, there are multitudes of verses in the Bible about fear. They're literally just scads of them, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds. Listen to just about three or four I want to give you. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David writes with battling fear in his own heart on the backside of a dark cave, running from Saul. And he writes the words, in the midst of darkness that is so heavy that he, it, was, it was penetrable, 
It was something that he felt that wrapped itself around him. In the midst of that pervasive darkness, David penned the words, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So the Bible speaks to not being terrified by the enemy and not letting fear grip our hearts and becoming confounded. That's a state of fear to the point that you can't even think. You're confounded or dismayed. That's a state of fear that you get to the point where you are immobilized. You can't even move. It's a complete state of frustration where you're just absolutely frozen. So in the midst of these, the Bible gives us numerous declarations. Listen to Psalm 118 verse 6. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Realizing that the presence of God is not only inside me, but he is around me and he's a shield above me and he is my horn and my buckler and my salvation. He is my guard. He's the Lord of heaven's armies. When I encourage myself in those kind of things, it's like, come on, baby, load up the, 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 the water pistol. Let's take on hell. And I think that's the kind of confidence that God wants us to walk in as his children. It's not foolishness. It's not throwing caution to the wind. You want to be aware of danger. You want to use wisdom in the face of circumstances where caution is required. Sometimes fear is a good thing. You're going, wait a minute. Wait, you're just preaching to me to not be afraid, but you're telling me fear is a good thing. Well, how, how many of you know you need to learn a little bit of danger? We, we need to teach babies not, not to just jump into the pool until we can teach them how to swim. We need to, to show folks you don't just jump off of uh, the house of the second or the third story and land on the ground thinking everything's going to be okay. You need to have a little bit of caution. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? And when you're dealing with nature and you go out into the wild and you enjoy the beauty of God's creation and you see something slithering along there, uh, you need to be a little bit concerned and cautionary, maybe a little bit of afraid until you learn whether that slithering thing that I really want to question God when I stand in His presence, why He made it in the first place, <laughs> that slithering thing, whether it's something to be afraid of or not to be. And of course, the person who is the reptile expert from Discovery Channel uh, who would have no fear, has that kind of confidence because he understands things that I don't. And my ignorance is what makes me think that the only good snake is a dead snake in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> As so many stories I could tell over the last few years of encountering those. I'm not going to get sidetracked to that. But just listen. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Who is them in Deuteronomy Moses is preparing the children of Israel to go into the promised land and drive out the enemy, all of the ites. Don't be afraid of them or their faces, he says. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. We're talking about the fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man brings a snare. Everybody say a trap. trap. Listen to the New Living Translation. It says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. And so I want to differentiate for just a moment. I want to contrast as I preach about fear this morning. I'm not talking about the fear of the Lord because that's a different thing entirely. When, when the Bible defines fear, it's talking about an emotional response that is anywhere on the spectrum from mild uneasiness to the extreme of stark terror on the other side. 
something that creates an emotional response in you that actually can create a physical response. It can become a physical panic attack where your heart races and the adrenaline, the adrenaline is pumping and it, you, you move into what we know to be either the fight or flight syndrome. You're going to do one or the other. Either you're going to stand your ground or you're going to run. And so fear is known to be as the oldest of all of the human emotions. But I'm not talking about the fear of the Lord because the Bible says in Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Another place it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and there is riches and honor in life, immortality in the fear of the Lord. Listen to this, Psalm 115, 11. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is your help and shield. Psalm 103, 17. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. So we're not talking about fearing God. That kind of fear is not this terror. It's not this idea of stark terror. Because when you know God and He is your Father and he, you are His child, there is not that kind of emotion that, 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 it, that is created in you when you're in His presence because it's that of a loving Father with His arms around you and be, bringing you into a place of comfort and shielding you and protecting you. The fear of the Lord is different. The fear of the Lord literally means to obey, to revere, to honor God. As a matter of fact, the bottom line appears in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13. It says, fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Everybody say, that's my number one job. To fear God and keep his commandments. So I want you to see this. Two things, we're contrasting. If I fear God, I don't have to fear anything else. But if I fear man, I will fear everything else. So when I fear God, I'm talking about obeying Him, honoring Him, revering Him. When I'm talking about being afraid of man, fearing what people think, wondering what they can do to me, the Bible says, David wrote, he says, when I'm afraid, that's when I put my trust in God. It's one thing to trust God for your eternal salvation in the sweet by and by. It's something entirely different to trust Him right now in the struggle of your present circumstance. Put your hands together if you're going to give Him praise. Do it. I want to talk to you, number one, this morning about the nature of fear. Everybody say the nature of fear. How does fear operate? How does it work? What makes fear do and produce in me that it does? The Hebrew language in the Bible uses ten nouns and eight different verbs that communicate this whole spectrum from mild uneasiness all the way to stark terror. We see in the Greek particularly one word that appears over and over and over and over again. It's the Greek word phobos. We get our English word phobia from it. Phobias are issues that we have personally with things that we struggle with or have fear of. Claustrophobia is fear of tight spaces, being cramped in and enclosed in. And, and not making it up, truly, I've been here, I've been there when uh, in Memphis in a high-rise building and thunderstorms struck and the power went off and the elevator stopped between floors and it was crowded. And that's when I'm praying under my breath, God, please don't let any idiots be on this elevator with me. And they're already too close anyway. They're invading my personal social space. 
I was on the elevator first, and I'm hugging the back, and I'm a fat man squeezing into the corner, all the corner. I'm becoming the corner. <laughs> Don't touch me in the dark. <laughs> it's dark, and it's not moving, and you start humming Amazing Grace. I actually have prayed, not, not, I've not sung Amazing Grace, but I did pray. One time I said, oh God, please don't let any idiots be on this elevator with me. And everybody started laughing, you know. <laughs> all kinds of fears, all kinds of phobos, all kinds of phobias. Fears that can make you think something that's there that's not really there. Xenophobia, the fear of strangers. Arachnophobia, it's fear of those little eight-legged or six-legged, however many they have. Spiders. That's another question I have for God. <laughs> I don't care how pretty you think they are. <laughs> Get my spray in the name of Jesus. <laughs> That's my definition of stewardship of creation right there. <laughs> don't send me emails, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> don't, want, don't want to offend anybody. And you know what? My fear is probably rooted in the unknown. My fear is probably rooted in the fact that there are so many bazillion different species and trying to figure out which one of them has a violin on the back, which one of them is fuzzy-legged and which one of them is brown and whether he's been reclusive or not. <laughs> and all this nonsense, and I'm just going, in the name of Jesus, right there. Let's just deal with it. Fear's gone. See? Seneca, great, great Greek speaker, rhetorician, said this. He said, if we let things terrify us, life will not be worth living. Um, retired English teacher from Memphis, Tennessee, was very adamant about helping to communicate Bible words sometimes that we sort of glaze over. Uh, she was an acquaintance. She was in my friend, my friend Rick Kennedy's church years and years ago, back in the 80s. And uh, she used her education and her ability with words. She was a wordsmith. So she used her ability with words to create what were called acronyms in order to be able to communicate the meaning of a word. And she would set up the letters of the word to be the beginnings of the definition. And everybody's seen this definition of fear. And the beauty of it is that nobody realizes that it started right over here on Mendenhall in Faith Fellowship at Rick's Church. I've seen talk show hosts speak this. I've seen news anchors talk about this. I've seen uh, pastors and teachers on Christian television use this acronym for fear when they were speaking about fear. And very simply, you've, you've heard it. This is it right here. But it was a little lady who was an English teacher, retired from Memphis City Schools, spirit-filled woman of God, who was writing acronyms, helping to communicate kingdom principles from the Bible. And this is what she said about fear. Fear is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. That is, we look at things and many times the circumstances that we see and what we think is reality is more a product of our perception of things than it is really the thing itself. What we think about things has a greater bearing on uh, because what I think about something is going to determine how I act or better said how I react, maybe how I knee-jerk in the moment. And so when I'm looking at things, it's really important that I, that, I, that I think and that I not just feel. God's given us the ability to do both. We want to learn to think and have our minds renewed according to the Word of God. And we want to learn to feel, not just by our own natural senses, but by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. 
to learn to be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, mature, weos, full-grown sons of God. Not just babies, but full-grown mature. We learn to be led by the Spirit of God. Then we learn to feel, and it's not just something that's flighty where you feel bad one day and you feel great the next, but it's, we're talking about the flow of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about thinking according to the Word biblically. Okay, So that means that I'm able to logically and reasonably look and determine what is false. No matter how evidentiary it looks stacking itself up for me, I realize that it's not reality. It appears real, but it's not truly real. Fear can make me come up with all kinds of things that that have nothing to do with even what I'm going through. It can make me start to think something's happening that's not even there. Let me give you some personal examples. Before I do, I want to give you three things about fear. So let's, let's roll into them this morning. Three things about fear. Number one, fear is slavery. Say it with me. Fear is slavery. Fear cripples you. Fear limits you. Fear puts you in bondage. It chains you down. It limits your ability to imagine the best of what God has for you. We were sitting over the holidays with my daughter, Abby. And some of you know about opportunities that have been coming her way the last year. Just crazy. I mean, just puts up one little this little singing snippet on the Instagram and it's just blown up like crazy. And, and producers and record labels and R&B and soul and gospel and everything. We've had more conversations with wannabe managers and record labels and potential distribution situations and all kinds of things going on. You know, she's been singing with Beth Moore and Got invited to do a 10-city bus tour with Priscilla Shirer in February this next month and also keeping the thing with Beth Moore. And all this is going on. And I alluded to this just a little bit last Sunday in my message, and that was we were sitting talking because a lot of things are, were brewing, and December was a month for her to really try to get quiet and hear the will of the Lord and make some decisions. And because of outrageous opportunities that have come, she's taking a leave from... Belmont for this semester to step into some of these in faith. And so we were, as parents, asking questions that parents would ask. Well, how about this? Well, what are you going to do here? And the, the questions, honestly, can just get to be so great that it can overwhelm you because it's the unknown. And it is, well, this person signed with them and they did that to them and then their career collapsed. Or this manager did this to this person and then they just kept them sort of hidden and never brought them out. And, you know, it's all these. And so we're saying, well, what about this? What about this? And Abby looked at us as parents, and we're not trying in any way to create any kind of fear, but just asking questions to arrive at a place of wisdom on going, you know, what do you think about this? How, how can we prevent this from happening? What are our inroads? And, and God's opened crazy doors. We've been given a wonderful Christian entertainment lawyer in Nashville that now is on board and advising us and advising Abby. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing how God brought that together. Guy Penrod, who has sung with uh, Gaither Vocal Band for years, heard Abby. And he called his attorney and he got him connected to us. And he said, listen, I so believe in these people and this young girl that if it gets expensive, you put it on my tab. I, I could stop and tell you guys crazy things how God has come through. And it's just absolutely startling, the stuff that's happening. And so we're just asking Abby questions, and she just finally, she's sitting there, and she's coming up with answers and everything. She said, let me just say this. The bottom line is this. 
I am. I'm, I'm, she said, I'm scared. She said, but my dream is bigger than my fear. And I'm sitting in my chair and Dawn's in hers and I looked over to the side and I said, that's got fire on it. I said, I'm going to preach that in this series that I'm preaching this Sunday, next Sunday, because I'm talking about fear not. She said, and I, and I said, say that again. And she said, there comes a time in your life where your dream has to be bigger than your fears. Because if you're ever going to step out in faith and step out into the unknown, come on, if you're going to be Peter and throw your, your leg over the edge of the boat in the middle of a storm, it means you're going to have to take some risk. Somebody said one time, how do you spell faith? And the guy said, R-I-S-K. You'll get that in a second. <laughs> and if you stay in fear, fear will enslave you. And, and the second point number this morning is fear is illogical. Fear, fear will make you think things are there or things are happening that aren't even happening. The, the, the great philosopher Sophocles said it this way. He said, to every man who is living in fear, everything rustles. Think about it. It was a dark and stormy night. The crepe myrtle had grown a little too close to the gutter on our house. Dawn is in Jonesboro spending the night with her mom. Pastor Michael's on the house by himself and he decides to lay in the bed and watch a scary movie. You know where this is going. I watch this stupid scary movie and scary movies in me don't even make any sense. I don't know why it was stupid. Forgive me, Jesus, I've already repented of it. But I watched that scary movie that night and about the time I turned it off and I think I'm going to go to sleep, then the wind blows and the crepe myrtle scratches across the gutter. And I took my permit class this year, my concealed carry, so don't, don't mess with me. I'm, I'm locked and loaded. I'm, I'm, I'm not just a big, fat marshmallow preacher. I, I'm, I'm, aimed and, I'm armed and ready. <laughs> so I reach over to my night table, and I pull it out, and I'm searching the house. You think this is funny, don't you, Charlie Dabbs? All the policemen in here are getting a, getting a kick out of this. And I'm going around the corner, how Zane taught me how to go around corners in the middle of the night. And I'm flipping the light on. As soon as the light comes on, there's nothing to be afraid because it's not unknown. I can see it. The fear, sort of the adrenaline starts to slow down a little bit. And I think, well, I want to be thorough, so I'm going to go check the whole house. Now, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit just to kind of make a point, but how many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? You've been afraid at night and the something's creaked and, and your wife punches you and goes, something's in the attic. <laughs> Dawn's kicked me out of the bed nearly so hard sometimes going, there's something, something's in the attic. And I've turned the light on and gone up there and looked. And, of course, whatever it was, it, it just hunkered down until I left. <laughs> Squirrel, rat, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> I remember one time... Uh, Abby wasn't born yet and Drew was probably three years old. We live in our little house over here on Carlisle and Drew gets afraid and he comes and jumps up in the middle of the bed with me and Dawn and he's scared, Papa. He called me Papa. He said, I, I scared, Papa. And I said, well, let's go back. And so we go back in his room, turn the light on, I get the flashlight out, we get down on our knees and we're raising up the, the, the bedspread and looking under the bed. I see, said, see, Drew, there are not any monsters over there. And I look and sure enough, on the other side of the room, I see... Drew's big, great, big teddy bear that a family member had given him and a blanket was up over his head. And I said, Drew, why is the blanket over the bear's head? He said, because, Papa, his eyes. His eyes, Papa, they scare me. <laughs> so he's got a blanket over the teddy bear's head. 
Now, this is funny. It's funny to us. But I, I, I remember one time, too, let me just tell you, it's not just the preacher that's loaded. I, I, I came home from a trip one time. We were living on Carlisle, and I decided I'm going to surprise Dawn and come home a little bit early. It's about midnight, and I wasn't supposed to come home the next day. And I unlocked our back door at Carlisle, and she had the 38 cocked and going, don't you ever do that to me again. And I'm thankful for the grace of the Lord on her trigger finger. That happened. That's a true story. Um. She isn't afraid to use it either. <laughs> now, fear is illogical. It makes you see things that aren't even there. I told you the story last year about when I was 15. I've never told it all these years, but I told it last year about fear. I was preaching on fear, and I talked about having been to a friend's house and watched a scary movie, and I got home late, and it's 1 o'clock in the morning, and my bedroom was the north bedroom in the house. I had the front window that could see out, and there was a clump of clover in the ditch out there that I was convinced was somebody with an afro laying in the ditch ready to get me. Now, this is when everybody had afros. It wasn't just um, uh, uh, African-Americans that had afros, but all my white friends had afros because we thought it was really cool. And I was convinced there was some dude laying out there in the ditch with an afro who was ready to come in and attack us and hurt our family. And, and without going into the whole story, mom and dad had put new windows in the house, and they were those dual double windows, and you could unlatch these things and open it up and wash the windows from the inside. And I didn't realize that my little chubby 15-year-old body leaning up against it unloosed those latches, and as soon as I backed up, the curtain started coming down at me. And I'm already not logical. I'm already gripped by fear. I'm enslaved by something, thinking there's an idiot out there in my ditch with an afro. And, and I'm thinking they're coming after me, and I start screaming, and the whole house gets up. And it's one of my moments where I was, adrenaline was flowing and I was terrified. But it wasn't real. It was false evidence appearing real. It was a clump of clover that looked like the dude in the movie that I saw that night. Now y'all are laughing, but it wasn't funny to me that night. Are you hearing what I'm trying to show you this morning? So fear, fear is slavery. Hebrews 2.15 says that whole context of Hebrews 2 is about how Jesus defeated Satan who had held the power of death and who had subjected people to the slavery of fear their whole lifetime. And he said, but now Jesus holds the key of death, hell, and the grave. And so Satan no longer has the ability to chain us down with ball and chain and, and entangle us and handcuff us down in fear because now Jesus, who's the Lord of life, holds the power of death, hell, and the grave. Somebody say amen. amen. Fear is slavery. Fear is illogical. Number three, fear is contagious. Judges 7, Gideon, the judge that the Lord raised up to take down the Midianites. They have an army of 150,000 plus and Gideon gathers an army and he's got 32,000 men that he's hoping are going to be strong enough to defeat that 150,000 plus man army and basically God speaks to Gideon and he says your army's too big. Gideon says what in the world? Are you, God you're out of your mind and God said no Gideon I'm out of your mind. Some of you think hear that in a minute. And God told Gideon, he says, no, your army's too big. He says, because if you go out there and whip these guys, you're going to go, you're going to go beat your chest and brag and say, look what we did. He says, your army's too big. He says, Gideon, I want you to go tell all those people, all of you men that are fearful and afraid, go home. Really, Lord? You want me to lose some men in this 32,000 army? We got, we, we're coming up against something that's five times our size. 
God says, just do what I said. And so Gideon goes out there in front of the whole army. He says, everybody who's scared, get out of here. Go home. And 22,000 of the 32,000 leave. He's got a 10,000-man army. And God says, you know the story. He still has too many. And God takes them down to the water. I don't have time to preach that. But he reduces that 10,000 down to 300. God takes it down so low that he wants to show that it wasn't Israel's army, but it was God who routed the Midianites for them. So let me just say to you right now, if you're in a season of reduction, it's because God's going to do something so great, you can't take credit for it. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together. Give the Lord praise. Why would God tell Gideon to tell all of them to go home? Why? Because point number three, fear is contagious. You're in a circumstance where you need somebody talking faith. The last thing you need is a bunch of negative Nancys or negative Noels or whatever. I'm trying, what's, an, what's an N word for a man name? Noel, negative Noah, whatever. You don't, you don't need a bunch of negativity. You need somebody talking faith, somebody pouring in the love of God into your heart and your life in order to be able to increase faith in your life. Why? Because fear is contagious. It will spread. But look at the antidote in this passage. As we close this message this morning, this is the, the last half comes real quickly because Isaiah 54, verse 8, it says, With everlasting love and my compassion, says the Lord, will I return to you and bring you to myself. Everybody say, everlasting love. So the, 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 the Hebrew word here is chesed. And you almost have to clear your throat as you say it. Chesed. And I know very little Hebrew. I know a little bit of Greek, but I even know less Hebrew. And so I'm not trying to impress anybody this morning. But I do know that this is one of the most powerful words in the Old Testament because it's literally the Old Testament word for grace. It is God's favor. It's His goodness. It's His kindness. It's His mercy. It's His pity. It is the everlasting, unconditional love of God. And this morning I want you to see three things about the love of God. I wish I had really time to just cut loose and, and, and preach this for another hour, but I don't. So I'm just going to give you to you in a few minutes. Chesed, the, the love of God, God's love number one is stronger than anything. It is more powerful than anything. The Bible says in the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6, His love is stronger than death. It will loosen and destroy. Matter of fact, it already has through Jesus Christ the bonds and the bands of death. So love is stronger than death. Love is stronger than fear. Love is stronger than sin because God's love defeated sin at Calvary. Somebody say amen. God's love is stronger than anything. Jesus, I believe his voice speaking through the Old Testament prophet of Jeremiah in chapter 31 says, Yea, with an everlasting love have I loved you. A love that is unconditional, a love that is unending. Everybody say everlasting love. Number two, God's love is unconditional. It is not dependent upon anything that you have or haven't done or anything that you should or shouldn't do or would or wouldn't do, God's love is dependent upon what Jesus Christ has already done. Come on, put your hands together. Give the Lord praise. God's love is unconditional. Hear this. Nothing you have done will make God love you any more than He does right now. Nothing you can do in the future will make God love you more than He does. Nothing have you done in the past or nothing will you do in the future can possibly make God love you less than He loves you right now. Why? To both of those being yes, because God's love is unconditional. 
Say amen. amen. Listen to this this morning. Jeremiah writes in his song of laments, the book of Lamentation. He's mourning. He says, I will never forget this awful time. Talks about Jerusalem being destroyed, the Babylonians carrying children of Israel into captivity. And he says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. They begin afresh every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord today from the book of Romans chapter 8. I quoted in 14 as we begin the message this morning. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, the full-grown, mature sons of God. And he goes on to say in verse 15, he says, for we have not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we've been given the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit, little s, my human spirit. So the Holy Spirit bears witness to my spirit that I am a child of God, an heir of God, and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. So what that basically is saying is that I'm no longer a slave to fear. Because I'm a child of God. And His love surrounds me. His everlasting arms hold me up. His, his shield and His horn of salvation. He is the shield and the buckler and the sword and, and all of these to surround me and protect me. Are you hearing me this morning? I, I don't have to walk in trepidation and fear because 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. No trepidation, no intimidation. He's not given me the spirit of timidity. You see, timidity and intimidation, all is that same word family. I don't have to be intimidated by anyone. Why? Because I fear the Lord. I revere Him. I honor Him. And because I fear God, I don't have to be afraid of anything else. A newer translation says it this way. I've not been given the spirit again to bondage, to slavery. Slavery to fear. I'm not enslaved to fear any longer. But I've been given the spirit of sonship where I cry, Abba, Father. Daddy, God. Because I am his son. He is my father. This is you this morning. If Jesus Christ is living in your heart today, you have a relationship with him that is stronger than death. Love inside you is stronger than fear. Come on, somebody. You wonder whether your dream is bigger than your fear? Of course it is because Jesus is the dream on the inside of your heart. He holds the desires and the dreams of your future in his care. And his love is stronger than death and stronger than fear. Hallelujah. Listen this morning as I read this last passage of Scripture. 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. 
Verse 16, we know how much God loves us and we put our trust in His love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Verse 17, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Verse 18, here it is. Such love has no fear. Everybody say, no fear. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment and this shows that we've not fully experienced His perfect love. Verse 19, we love each other because He first loved us. And that's my last point. Number three, God's love is contagious. Just like fear is contagious. God's love is contagious. Why? Because He loved us, now I can love you. And it spreads, and it grows, and it's infectious, and it will transform lives. And that shared love is the expression of God Himself. People who, nobody's seen the Lord, when we love, that is the full expression of God coming through us right there. It's what Scott read when he read the text this morning. I have something I want you to hear. I want to do real quick, and then we've got a baptism this morning that we're really excited to be able to celebrate But before we do, I want you to hear this. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies. So I could walk right through it. You'd my 
tears were drowned in perfect love You rescued me so I could stand and sing I am a child of God Think about this now You split the sea so I could walk right through it My fears were drowned in perfect love rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. I want you to stand with me this morning. Lift your hands together and sing. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Sing it like you mean it now. I'm no longer a slave. split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. Oh, I am a child of God. Put your hands together and give the Lord.